Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back in studio. Shauna, how you doing? Good morning. I'm okay. Not feeling so good today, but I'm here. Yeah. And yeah. Excited for another recording. And Jeremy's not here, but he will be here. I got to do it again in you this podcast. You got to do his laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jeremy. Jeremy, one more time. We, we love you, you man. <laughs> Let's make him laugh at everything that I say yeah. today. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, so he is not in studio with us, but we have another special guest with us. We have Andy Swart of sorts. I had to say it, dude. I'm sorry. Andy Swart is pastor, teaching pastor of the Mount Church here in Keller, Texas, and we wanted to get to know him a little bit, and he's also going through our biblical counseling training here at Truth Renewed. But, Andy, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Better than Shauna. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. That's good for you. Not feeling well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just hope I don't get y'all sick. Nah, I ain't I making out with you. Okay. I'm Thank you. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Michael. I think it's already, whatever you have is already like ingested in you, so I, I don't think it's very symptomatic That's to, good. To, to me. On that, I so. bet our listeners don't care about this. You know, it's part of the banter. Anyway, Andy, can you tell us a little bit about, man, who you are, where you're from, man, how did you get into ministry, what's your experience in ministry been, and all of those good, fun things? Yeah, so the shortened version is, man, I am a Texan by God's grace, somehow ended up in Arkansas and uh, played college football in Arkansas and moved back to Texas as quick as I could and then fell in love with a girl from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so we dated in separate States the whole time before Mm -hmm. we got married. So I do not recommend that. Mm -mm. Uh, First year of marriage was like, Hey, like uh, figuring out (laughs) life together. Uh, And so we, we lived in South Texas for our first year. I was doing ministry down there. And then we spent the last 12 years in Northwest Arkansas where I planted a church up there called Metro church and uh, then left there to come to be the teaching pastor at the Mount. Uh, And I started at the end of January. So Seven months in, brand new, all that. There's a lot of details in that. Didn't want to be a pastor. My dad's a pastor, good godly guy. I learned theology at the dinner table, playing mm. catch. That's awesome. But the gospel didn't become alive to me until the fall of my junior in college when a teammate started sharing the gospel with me and told me, Andy, I think you have all the right answers, but I don't think you truly love Jesus. And I brushed that off. And then the Lord used a series of circumstances to bring me low. I didn't have a call to ministry. You know, a lot of guys get saved at some mm-hmm. point and they have a call Man, I got saved. I was like, Lord, whatever, whenever, however, I want to serve you. And so that got me into ministry. There's a lot of details there. Never was a rebellious kid. Uh, you know, I was a moralist, but I was lost and dead in my sins. And uh, by God's grace, Christ revealed to me my self-righteousness was not enough to um, to save me. And so through that, mm-hmm. just have a heart for the gospel and to preach God's word and uh, just be really consistent and uh, believe in the sufficiency of Scripture every single week. So thankful to get to serve at a great Mm -hmm. place. Love the church, love my elder board, our staff leadership. It's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. I I appreciate and your testimony is because obviously we would, we would agree that theology definitely matters, but there comes a place in special revelation where it has to be applied revelation where the Holy spirit literally has to apply to your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. So it's just, and in that moment of surrender, the fact that you had a willing heart, just saying, God, whatever, just do, you know, just tell me what to do. Give me that assignment. 
right? Yeah, he clearly gave it to him. But don't, don't, let's not do it, be a pastor. Oh, wait a minute. That's what you yeah. want me to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like the hardest thing we were talking in the last podcast where it's like pastors, man, you got to have what thick skin and a soft heart because people visiting your church realizing that you're the target, what everybody's looking at on whether they're going to attend, you know, it's all about what you aren't doing. The criticism, you know, the preferences, opinions, preferences, all these things that you have to like battle. I mean, that's got to be so tough for you, right? Yeah. Yes. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Extremely difficult. I have a benefit that because I had such a godly dad Mm -hmm. as a pastor and to see what he went through Mm. um, and to see how consistent he was in his love for the Lord and and love for people and how he handled criticism and how he handled uh, betrayal and all kinds of heartaches that come with Mm -hmm. ministry in some way. I learned a lot of that by osmosis, wasn't really processing how to deal with that in the future in some way, Mm -hmm. but it just kind of naturally became part of who I am as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so just a huge credit, you know, goes to him, but the thick skin, soft heart piece, I think is something that all pastors, we have to continually work at because Mm -hmm. we can become thin skinned and hard hearted in a sense. And uh, so always just kind of coming back to where's my identity. It's in Christ. Uh, Some Sundays I feel like, yeah, I was a good steward of the word that day and preaching and applying to God's people. Mm -hmm. Some Sundays I don't. And, uh, but just believe that God's word will not return void. Just continue to do the work and keep plowing at it. Mm, that's a good tip to stay um, to stay grounded, but also your experience that allowed you to walk into pastoralship with a lot of that um, wisdom and knowledge already. Are you sneezing? A chew. I did. I muted my mic, but it probably permeated y'all's mic. So Thanks sorry, for it was kind of loud. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't um, know it was like a biohazard box. We were going to be recording this podcast, <laughs> and now I'm exposed to both. Sean is the sick one. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah>. Anyways, <clears throat> what's really cool is I actually know some people in your congregation and just know how hungry they are for the word. And so it's really cool that you were able to step into an established church body that was um, really just hungry for just someone to continue to teach me and help me grow. Um, but then obviously you kind of walk in where Ronnie Mills, we uh, a couple podcasts. I think the podcast posted before this one talked about church planning. And so he gets to start the culture from the scratch. You walk into an established church, right? Almost having to either um, maybe change the culture. I don't know kind of where you are. And so were any struggles there yet? Yeah. So being a church planter in the Mm -hmm. past and so uh, planting Metro, it's right. You you can establish, you know, the culture, the teaching culture of the Mm -hmm. church. Start it from the ground up. Yeah. And by God's grace, that culture continues even today in my absence. And so thankful for uh, Mm -hmm. the elders and pastors there that are continuing just this word centric gospel centered approach to the word expository preaching, preaching through books of the Bible predominantly. So thankful for uh, their faithfulness there. Uh, coming into the Mount, uh, following Ryan Fontenot, who uh, an extremely gifted evangelist, mm-hmm. he he came in and changed the church. People ask me all the time, "Well, how old is the Mount?" Well, it's the old, it's the oldest young church around in the sense that uh, 1849 was when it was established, but 2008 it went through a complete church revitalization, mm-hmm. and that was because of Ryan's work and mm-hmm. completely changed the culture there. So when the elders hired me to come in and be the teaching pastor, one of the desires they had was it's just another layer of depth when it came to theology and biblical maturity in the church. So by God's grace, they've allowed me to do that. I preached through Nahum this summer. Mm-hmm. Like nobody does that. Mm-hmm. It was probably biting off more than I probably should have uh, early on. But I learned a lot in the process and seeing the hunger of God's people. So we're going through First John right now, and uh, we'll finish half the book this fall, and we'll pick it up. But the next year, but the people are so hungry for the word. It really is astounding to me mm-hmm. how much they want the word and how much they're 
taking notes and following up. And there's this theological uh, hunger and desire in the church. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really thankful for how receptive the people are and how much freedom the elders give me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I, they give me a lot of rope. I swing from it. Sometimes I hang myself <laughs> from it. <laughs> we'll that's, see. That's I, haven't, awesome. I haven't checked my, my church email this morning, so we'll see how I did yesterday. Oh, gosh. We'll know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned Ryan Fontenot, and he's actually a friend of ours too, Rage Ministries. You can put that in the show notes if anybody wants to reach out there and is looking for a pastor to come and preach at their church um, and their youth ministry or at summer camps and stuff. He, he is obviously a great guy, loves the Lord, very gifted in that way. Um, you know, when you think about you coming, though, to the church, I'm sure there's other pastors out there that might be listening to this podcast. And um, one of the things I noticed about you just kind of uh, obviously Michael and I were members at the Mount versus uh, before God uh, late last August uh, called Michael into uh, be a deci- take a position as a discipleship pastor at Venture Church. And so we're at another church, but obviously my heart and my love for the Mount Church is always there and, and have uh, lots of sisters and brothers in Christ there. Um, but one of the things I noticed about you that I thought would be encouraging to other pastors is the fact that even before you moved back to Texas to take on the position, you you use social media as a way to go ahead and start engaging with your members um, and really loving on them. You're just a really cool, funny guy. And so obviously you're easy to like, you know, I'm not just saying that because you're here, but I noticed that right away <laughs> that a lot of my friends are really gravitating towards you. And I think that that made the transition seem to be very sweet because you didn't waste time. You didn't wait to say, okay, I'm disconnecting here and then I'll go all in here. You, you started really engaging with your family. And so by the time you even like started preaching, I felt like some of them knew you already and you live life with them already. You know, they get to know you and not just this guy who's preaching from the stage, you're living life with them. So if you were to encourage other pastors to do things like that similar, what would that look like? I mean, do you feel like that was a benefit for you as well? Or Yeah, I would back up a little bit. So one of the things is, is like even Mike said, like I'm the teaching pastor at the Mount. And I have young guys who want to be in ministry, right? And they're like, well, how do I become a teaching pastor? And usually the, the idea about a teaching pastor is that, you know, he's in his study all week long, surrounded by all of his books. And, and I love books. Don't don't get me wrong. I love reading dead guys with big beards and yeah. good <laughs> theology. And, uh, and, and, but one of the things is, is, and then I come out on Sunday and like, here's the Shekinah glory of my sermon, right? Right. Uh, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if a teaching pastor gives the idea that that's what I do, I lock myself away and the benefit I can do to the kingdom is not being with people. That's not a pastor. Uh, people can get that from a podcast and get that from a seminary professor. And so yeah. I am first and foremost, a pastor and a shepherd. Our, mm-hmm. We have a three-year-old boy that we, we named him shepherd for that reason. Mm. And so I, I'm first and foremost, a pastor who wants to be with my sheep. And, and I've said to our congregation that if, if shepherds are supposed to smell like their sheep and if they don't, then you're not a shepherd, you're, you're something else, but mm. you're, you're not a shepherd. And so my, my thing is, is I genuinely love people despite people. And always wanting to love and care and help apply God's word to their life in, in a particular way and remind them of the gospel. So, so that that is the very thrust of it. The, the best way to do that is, of course, through social media, right? Because Facebook, everybody's on Facebook, and social media is a great way to get insight into somebody's life. And, and that needs to be a two-way street, right? Because mm-hmm. some people just know me from the stage, and if you just saw me from the stage or heard me teach, you'd be like, man, he's a really intense uh, kind of guy and angry. I don't know how people would describe me, right? That's some of the emails I've gotten. But, uh, but the truth is, is that there, there's, I think a personality type that gets stronger in one element than it does in the other. And so I want, I want people to know me just as much like what I am first and foremost as a son of God, what I am as a husband, what as I am 
as a dad Mm -hmm. than not just what they seem on stage, because I believe that actually reinforces the truth that I'm getting to share and teach and apply to people's lives. So, and also in, when I am teaching, I want to be vulnerable and honest about where I am. So yesterday, even in my sermon, I confess that my idol, my made idol of my life that I struggle with is comfort. Mm -hmm. And so it'll work itself out through carbs. So I've exchanged, I said yesterday, I've exchanged the comfort of carbs over the cross of Christ. And that has been my struggle. But I want to create an environment where people know like, hey, we're not saying be like Andy. Mm-hmm. We're saying, no, no, all of us together collectively, let's all be like Jesus. And we're all flawed in this place. We just have different roles in this yeah. place. Nobody's let's be open about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, transparency from the stage is obviously a huge thing. Um, you know, when the pastor is not up here saying, you know, I, I'm perfect and I have it all. But when you are actually real saying like, yes, I'm still confessing sin and asking for forgiveness from not only my family, but maybe from some of y'all, I think that that's, that's very genuine and it needs to kind of be start starting from the top in that way to really change part of that change in the culture in your church. Right. Um, well, we're really thankful. Obviously you've, you, all the listeners you've heard in previous podcasts, just really who Michael and I are with truth renewed, uh, ministries that provides free biblical counseling to the community. Um, and we've, you know, we've been serving them out for a long time and we're so thankful for your church, you know, so, uh, trusting us with, um, as you're saying, shepherding the people that you're walking with. Um, but you know, obviously going into this year with the training program to actually equip counselors to, uh, bring counseling back into the church, which is really our, our heart. Truth or nude isn't a replacement to what the church should be doing. We just really want it to be the overflow and we want it to be on mission for the church locally in a way that as we bring people in, we can hopefully then get them connected and getting them the support from the church. That really is where the church should be. Right. And so we're so thankful that, you know, in this first program, you and your church was actually one that really jumped right on board and you just, and you started from the top, like you brought in a lot of your staff, including yourself. Um, and then as well as other like lay leaders within the church to really jump on this opportunity to, Hey, be a part of what this really looks like and bring counseling back into your church. So I just want to thank you for that. And then thank you obviously from starting from the top and then how that's really going to hopefully transform your church in the next year. But do you want to just kind of share your heart on that, the importance that you feel like it is, and maybe encourage other pastors or people out there that are considering that? Yeah. So on just kind of a 30,000 foot view, I believe the future of the church, the big C in America, America is that we, we have to have robust, biblically grounded theology. Mm-hmm. As we navigate cultural waters, and of course that's always changing with uh, post-modernity or late modernity now, as we redefine terms, uh, our theology has to be grounded in the Word. The second, second I kind of call this the trident of ministry, the second piece would be kind of the organization strategy. So how are we going to reach people far from Christ? Because we know that the old path of, well, they know where we are and they can come see us, or even knocking on doors is such an antiquated idea. The culture's changed. The the church has to change as well to figure out a strategy that is biblically grounded that reaches people where they are. And then the third piece to that trident of ministry is going to be counsel and care. Mm -hmm. That God's common grace through, I think, the behavioral sciences have shown us the damage that sin has done. They may call it something else, but the damage that sin has done to people that the church is not um, up to speed with how the gospel is the antidote to these poisons and how they've affected people. So, so we have to have those things in, in mind. So it, me as a pastor, always thinking in, in those kinds of terms, always trying to think down the road, what does all this look like and how it plays itself out, is that um, first and foremost, like I, I wanted the training. Uh, I've been vocational ministry for about 17 years, and um, I've done a ton of pastoral care and counseling 
you know, done the seminary classes on counseling and all this stuff, in some way was kind of bumbling forward in helping people. And usually it's, it's the wrong approach. That's like, okay, you have a problem in front of you. Okay, one verse applied to that one problem. And congratulations, just apply this verse and you'll be all figured out, right? Here's a verse, call me in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. Take a verse a day. And, Here's you your know, medicine. Yeah. yeah, pastor stays away kind of a thing. Uh, but one of the things is, is that as I've gone through this process, even as a pastor who's done, I mean, thousands of hours of pastoral care and counsel, is that I've learned uh, in so many different ways how the word applied to lives changes lives. And so it's not one of these things like, okay, here's your formula. Just use the formula and everything will be better. It's continually exposing them to the gospel and to biblical truth Mm -hmm. and letting the Holy Spirit do the work. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit does the work, but practically or functionally, a lot of times we don't live in that way. We're like, you know, after two or three sessions, like, you should be fixed, Mike. Like, why are we still meeting, bro? Mm-hmm. But one of the things is, is continually believing in the sufficiency of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives and just continually coming back to, okay, here's what the Word says. Let's let the Word transform your life. So me personally as a pastor, it's been this incredible tool. It's one of those things. Like, I wish I would have had it 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but even now in this moment, just knowing how it's already applying uh, to my own personal life, using it with my wife and my wife even saying like, hey, are you are you biblical counseling <laughs> me right now? I'm like, yeah, baby, you need to get right. You know? <laughs> so, oh, gosh, so, yeah. So even seeing how I can apply it in my own life, not just as a pastor, but just as a husband and as a dad yeah. and speaking to those heart issues in some way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's got to be bigger than just me, right? So the pastoral care, you have this specific opportunity to apply biblical counseling to the person that's sitting in front of you. But we need to raise up and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. And so another element of that is is that all of my leaders, all of our ministry leaders and staff, they're doing counseling in different ways. They're still specific. But also what about group life where our groups can learn biblical counseling so that biblical counsel happens in community? And that's yes. kind of Tripp's whole point wow. in yeah. you know, Instruments in Redeemer's Hands, mm-hmm. how we can begin to do this journey to see where the Holy Spirit leads us to change lives in a way. And then also just the day-to-day stuff. Yeah, and actually really quick, let me read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, just to provide some context to, to what Andy's saying here. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, for what reason? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. For the purpose, rather, of, verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So, functionally, you, you, you're bringing up the function piece, and so, you know, we'll raise up, children ministers and all these different areas of ministry to, you know, to, to make Sunday happen. But the reality is the majority of, I mean, obviously outside of the point that you made for yourself, but outside of uh, Sunday, the majority of ministry happens outside of Sunday. And so equipping the saints for the work of the ministry is so that our people know doctrine. So to your point in that triad that you mentioned, and then really our theology should really bring some some unity into why we're doing what we're doing, speaking the truth in love. Um, you know, again, theology leads to doxology and just kind of that whole, you know, it's kind of that same principle. And so that's that's kind of the context there. So that's, Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. so, so that's one of the things that, you know, I've been in every, you know, season as a church planter when you don't have any leadership around you, you're, you really don't have anybody to help build up the body. So I've been there. I felt overwhelmed. And so if a pastor's listening to this and they're like, man, that sounds great, Andy, but like I'm, I'm by myself. I would say, man, I've been there. 
And so, but one of the gifts that we have is, is that God has given us as pastors to equip the saints and who builds up the body. It's the saints who build up the body together. And so it's continually saying, hey, just don't stop plowing. Like that's what I tell guys all the time. Church planters specifically, you know, 80% of church plants fail in the first four to uh, first five years. I mean, 80%, four out of five churches fail in the first five years. And I know so many guys that, that failed because they walked away instead of just like, just keep plowing, bro. Just give it time. Yeah. It takes time to, to make life change and to build up and equip saints. So continue to do that. And one of the ways that you can do that is by doing and exposing them to biblical counseling, the certification that you guys have here. And then also as we begin to funnel more people, more saints, more lay leaders in our church to get the certification. It's just this, it's this, I think a patience that has to be built into us as leaders to say, Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit changes lives. We believe that. Let us be competent biblical counselors. Let us handle the word rightly and, and just trust the process, right? So uh, not a big Nick Saban fan, but Alabama football, that's their that's their motto, trust the process. And I would say the same thing to uh, all pastors. Just do you trust the process, that God is going to do this, and he's going to allow you to equip the saints, and the saints are the ones that build up the body. So biblical counseling not just happens for pastors and individual people or some kind of a staff leadership, but it begins to happen in front yards. It begins to happen in community groups. It begins to happen in just these informal relationships we have in the life of the church. And that's how we build up one another when we start to take biblical truths and continually expose each other to those, uh, to those truths. So I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of saying not just pastors should do this, but pastors begin to identify people that have a heart to shepherd and care for other people, whether they're a pastor or not, that are serious about knowing how the word can apply and change lives, identify those people, and then begin to put them in a place where you can expose them to this. And, and I would encourage pastors, hey, find a line item in your budget to make it a priority, to scholarship them, to get them to go through this process, because it has been extremely beneficial for me, for the rest of our Mount people that are in it, and the eight to 10 people that can't wait until the next round so they can go through it as well. And that's what we want, right? We want a farm league that's continually coming through here, that's being exposed to how biblical counseling is making such a big change that they can recruit more, get them on board. And so we, it's not just me, it's our, our church together and all of our staff mm-hmm. are implementing biblical counseling in the life of the church. Here's one of the things I love is, is a lot of pastors can definitely, you know, have sermons and talk from this uh, on a Sunday service about discipleship and explain this is what discipleship looks like. But then we have a hard time maybe saying, okay, then why is the culture in our church not not changing, you know, where's the equipping really happen? And you're right. I mean, counseling is something that's ignored, but that is a part of discipleship. That's an intensive part. And I love how you even said our group leaders, our community group leaders, because this is, that's, you're leading your group in a way that if things come up and that's where that real raw transparency is happening, you want to be able to care for that well. And a lot of damage can be done when a community group is not loved and equipped. And then we're like, what's happening in our church? Well, yeah, you can teach it from the stage, but we definitely have to give them tools and resources to do that. Here's one of the things I do admire about you though, Andy is, is, you know, here I am, we're doing the program and we know that we had some elders and some lead pastors in the, in, in coming and, and learning and going through the certification process. You know, I could be like, okay, so what is this going to look like? Are they going to come and, and kind of be a know-it-all? It's like, there's a lot that you already know about the Bible and whatever degrees is kind of going to be thrown our way. But one of the things that I have really appreciated about you is that you really are still a student of the word. You came with a level of humility and willingness to learn and then to encourage other people in the class. And so I, you know, I think that 
sometimes I meet a lot of pastors and that's sometimes rare. It's like they want to sit in this positional authority in a way of I've already arrived. And, um, and that might not be their heart, but it is kind of maybe how they're communicating or their body language. And you have really, I think, um, not only are you doing the class and have you become a good student, but by doing that and being a model of that in your position, I can see it encouraging those that are coming alongside you in this partnership of the counseling ministry. And so I think that that's very important and it's not for me to like, you know, pat you on the back and say, good job, but more so encourage the pastors who are listening today, that it's something that people are watching you and they do see that type of thing in a way that you're actually modeling it, not just learning it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, thanks for your kindness. I, I appreciate yeah. that. You know, one of the weird things and Mike knows this is as a pastor is that you're the answer guy and everybody comes to you for questions and they want to, you know, Hey, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? And, and so often we can begin to think in monologue and not dialogue, which is extremely detrimental to relationship. And so uh, I always always want to be a guy that is a sponge because, you know, if everything I've read and, uh, you know, all that stuff, all I've done is classified my ignorance. Uh, all I know is that there's so much I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really testament to the home I grew up in. And so uh, we should never, pastors should never act like we've arrived. The more theology that we know, the more we know how inadequate we are and how dependent we should be upon the Holy Spirit. And so there's these forces at play, right? You can surround yourself with all these people that are giving you constant affirmation and nobody's telling you the truth. Or you can listen too much to the critics who are on the way out. It's not constructive criticism, right? They just want to blow you up because you don't preach like Matt Chandler or your church isn't organized like Tim Keller because they read one of their books and they have it all figured out. That's not Chandler and Keller's fault. It, it, it is taking someone else's completely different cultural context and trying to apply it uh, in the same way that, you know, if we go play pickup basketball, Mike, and I'm like, well, you're not as good as LeBron. Well, yeah, because it's LeBron James, right? Like, how unfair is that to you? And so in... in, in Two sports references. That's good. You, oh, you just, you're goodness. the first that's that's dropped some sort of, like, sports reference. You like? Do you even understand what he's saying? Yeah, I know who LeBron oh, is. Oh, okay. Oh, bro. <laughs> I, I think I know who LeBron is. Oh. He was at a good point. You interrupted him. No, but it's like that's two. First it was Alabama, now it's LeBron. So, so, okay. so, so in this in this whole entire thing, though, I, th- I think a posture of a pastor should always be: I am the lead learner in our church mm. because I am I am more exposed to my own inadequacies as I open the word. And I think Paul Tripp's just had the, the most impact on my understanding. Uh, I asked the other day on social media. I said, "Pastors, what would it be like if instead of..." preaching and teaching like people are projects to be fixed. What if we approach them as hungry friends? And, and I want that approach to be that, hey, listen, I, I was hungry when I came to my study and to the word every week and I applied it to my life in some way. And I wrestled with that, man. I confessed. I was broken over that. Maybe I had to have some difficult conversations with my wife or staff or even those who direct report to me. You know, I'm supposed to be their boss in some way, but you know, I was too harsh or unkind with them. And then giving it to my friends as I preach and teach the word to them. And so I, I would tell a pastor that th- there's no embarrassment. I mean, it hasn't even crossed my mind about me as a pastor, as the teaching pastor at the Mount, whoop de doo right? This title thing, the, the coming and getting certified as a biblical counselor. It's another tool in my toolbox. And, and it's not just the, you know, a tool, it's the tool. It permeates everything I do. So actually like in saying that, you know, you're now walking your body through the letter of first John. And so have you seen any type of impact of what you're learning from a counseling standpoint that it's changed the way that you're giving directive or you're drawing out from the scriptures of first John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the, just the relationship with Christ or the fellowship 
that's enjoyed to be in the light with confession and repentance versus holding on to things in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this duality that's going on between, in, in, in an individual's life where they love Jesus, they truly know him, they're saved, but yet there are these sins over here that they haven't taken over to the Lord. And so it's actually, it's kind of created two different conversations. One conversation about the evidence of their salvation. Are they truly saved? Do they truly know Christ? And the other one is, is a believer who has tripped and stumbled into sin but has cho- chosen not to get up and not to turn that over to the Lord. And so they feel convicted and broken over, or they've become spiritually apathetic because they've let it take seed and root in their life in some way. So beginning to apply biblical truth about how we put these sins to death in our life. And so it's there's been many, many conversations about that light and darkness duality that we see all throughout First John. Mm-hmm. As I'm actually teaching First John in the women's ministry as well at, at our, lo- at our uh, church Bible study, you know, it's, it's actually been very encouraging to me because I do see the scripture as a counselor where we obviously all use First John 1, 9, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. But one of the things then I see, um, you know, just as a person who's leading out and wanting to disciple others is the fact that, you know, John and the apostles joy was made complete when they saw the spiritual maturity of those who followed them, those that they were discipling. If we just change our thoughts in that right there, just thinking the joy that we receive in living is based off of how we're seeing those that we disciple grow. And that's how our joys may complete. Well, I think we would wake up every single morning and think a little bit differently on how we're serving others. What a beautiful thing, you know? And so I love that. I love how you can, you know, read these things um, from a biblical counseling standpoint, but obviously it then encourages you and how you preach and how you lead out and you're just a model of good works. And, you know, yes, you're, you're, you being the pastor here is one thing. I know we have just leaders in the church that are listening. And so for you, I just want to encourage you in the way of, you know, the pastors can't do all the care in the church. You can't give the sufficient amount of care to every family. So you need those leaders to rise up and to be able to, um, you know, walk out where they're encouraged to, to provide intensive biblical counseling to the community. One of the things that I appreciate as a leader myself is when you feel supported. And so you modeling it for them and you encouraging and wanting to change and grow the culture within your church is, is really key. That even if a pastor, if you're a pastor, you're not in a position to currently maybe walk through something like this right now to support your leaders to do it is everything. Because when you feel like you're doing it alone, you're not really getting the support that you need. That can be a lot more difficult for your leaders. And so encouraging Mm -hmm. them in that, right? And that calling. And I don't know where, you know, listeners are, but here in DFW, right, we're we're in this Bible Belt culture, um, cultural Christianity reigns supreme, which is nothing like Christ. It's moralism, it's virtuism, it's comfort, it is... Uh, God and I are good because I live the blessed life. And the blessed life is not living the light. It is nice houses and lots of kids' activities and nice cars and all that stuff. So we have this consumer culture that says, I come to the church to get. And and I even told our congregation yesterday, hey, listen, my preaching and teaching on Sunday morning and the songs that we sing are not enough for you to enjoy, to have this joy that being filled up that John mm-hmm. talks about, to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. It's Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so by putting an emphasis on biblical counseling, not as another ministry in the church, but as the core ministry. This is the core that permeates every single thing you do in the life of the church. That's where life change happens is Monday through Saturday Mm -hmm. and not so much on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings is for the edification of the saints. We come together to apply the word of God to our lives, to exalt his name through song and through preaching and teaching. But it's Monday through Saturday where that equipping takes place and biblical counseling is the vehicle And, and student ministry and children's ministry. Every other ministry can fit in that vehicle but it's not something we add to 
our menu, our plethora, why? Because that, what does that do? That feeds consumerism. And so it is the vehicle that allows us to move the church forward because this is God's plan A to bring his redemptive work to all the world. Now it makes sense why your children's ministers and yeah, <laughs> everybody right, in the yeah. church, you're like, okay, right. yes, you're doing it too. You're getting involved. But how awesome is it that you stepped into a church, man, with some strong leaders, yeah, hungry to, yeah, to learn yeah. and to serve is, is such a blessing. And I'm so thankful for that. And listen, if you're um, out there and you're saying, man, I want to do this, I want to jump on board, just email us at topics at speakthetruth.org. Or you can email me directly at Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-A, at ChristianCounseling.com. And I'm happy to, to call you. Let's do a conference call, emails back and forth, whatever it is, to see how I can love you and help you get started. Yeah, Truth or Nude has a training center here, um, but you can start one in your church. And we'd be happy to help you with that or just even walk your leaders through it. So. And let me just say this. The, the Mountain Church, we're starting our biblical counseling yep. ministry in January. Mm-hmm. So right now we are going through all of the planning steps that are necessary. And the Mount wants to be a resource for yeah. you as well. And so so if you that. have questions about, hey, how do we start a biblical counseling ministry, we'll be a couple of steps ahead of you. And you can just look up the mount.church and you can email our office or call our church office and we'll be able to get you connected and help you walk through what we're learning just a few steps ahead of you as well. I love that. Michael? That's good. Yeah, just being encouraged uh, with one another. And you you mentioned earlier, Andy, and that is a, you know the encouragement for the body, right? I mean, in, in really Hebrews 10 uh, for example, uh, Hebrews really um, ten twenty two, and typically the verses that I'll get to here in just a moment kind of signify that when we hear this, oh, this is, you know, it's typically like Sunday service, but it goes far beyond that scope. Uh, but Hebrews 10, starting in 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a one and this this kind of encapsulates the one anothering ministry and biblical counseling at the end of the day, formally and informally speaking. This is what it's about. It's an, it's encouraging the body. It's getting to that place in Ephesians four eleven through thirteen again, getting them to the place where they are. They know their doctrine, and they're actually applying it in relational context with one another. Um, in those formal moments where if it's, you know, to First John's point, or even kind of going through here in Hebrews 10, just kind of talking about sin, the reality of sin. And, you know, if we have relational capital with somebody because we're living life with somebody, man, I can speak into that. And they've given me, they've given me the permission to speak into the life, and I can do it with gentleness and respect and love, and they respond to it. Um, you know, it may be kind of difficult, like you alluded to earlier, man, but they respond to it. Um, so biblical counseling and soul care goes so far beyond, uh, just, you know, trying to get it into a sermon or making it like you mentioned as part of our church, man, but it's a part of who we are because it's the, that is the one anothering. That's the reality of one anothering. So that's good. Yeah. Very I would good. tell pastors, don't, don't preach a sermon on depression. Don't preach a sermon on anxiety. Don't do a topical series on mental health. It has to be woven into your sermons. And the amount of uh, passages that reveal to us yeah. how mm-hmm. sin has affected us all mentally concerning those different areas mm-hmm. has been overwhelming to me in this process. As we do character studies and we look at the lives and we see how this stuff comes out of these biblical characters, is that we have to remove the stigma of mental health, which I think that I'm encouraged by that, actually. I'm seeing a lot more of that. Unfortunately, uh, it's happened because of some prominent pastors who have committed suicide and yeah. had those tragedies. But I'm thankful for how the church is moving to make 
mental health a less uh, less of a stigma. But but it still has to move farther than that, not just from the stage, but but helping our people see that if you need biblical counseling, if you need to sit down with a biblical counselor, th- there's nothing so broken and wrong with you that you're relegated to you know some sub varsity team or some yeah. JV team in the life of the like church. I'm embarrassed to get counseling. Like it could be the stigma around it. Right? Like somehow, yeah. well, it's the stigma becomes well, that's part of recovery ministry. No, like we're all recovering like from I'm ourselves. Pray, pray. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. old man mentality to yeah. a new man. Old self, new self. Like it's all well, yeah. and you know, and just keeping it real with the first John because that's what you're studying right now. It's really saying that you know it's ex- the light exposes the darkness. You know, and as believers, when that sin is exposed, it says wicked people want to run away from the the light. So as a believer, it's a great test for us to allow that light to expose that sin, call the sin what it is, and then walk out First John one nine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's lighting that's, each other up. Yeah, yeah. Light it up. <laughs> so I had I had to bring something. You know, walk. A, is that, is that a, a type one enneagram? You're gonna light a fire under people so they get right? I don't know. Yeah. So the, in the in the in the whole conversation about you know from the stage from a pastor that pastors have to be lead confessioners and repenters. They have to be authentic from stage, but not at the cost of personal holiness. Mm-hmm. So when God, when Jesus himself says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, that's not a suggestion. That's the goal of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. But we get to First John chapter 2. But if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Mm-hmm. And anytime we forget that, because you're going to sin. That's the, the, the goal is sinless perfection. That's not going to happen in this life. But when you do sin, you'll have an advocate with the Father. And so as we realize that, know that biblical counseling in a specific context when you need it is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength mm-hmm. that you're willing to say, God, I need help in a mm-hmm. specific area in my life. And in that, God is glorified. So you can boast all the more in your weakness. That's why, you know, I call myself a recovering food addict. The struggle of my adult life has been food addiction, eating in private. You know, eating carbs. I don't have a sweet tooth, but it's always comfort food. Why? Because ministry's hard, and I feel sorry for myself. It's the sin of Cain. Mm-hmm. But the process for me to get to the point where I could vocalize that and boast all the more in the sufficiency of Christ and his power and his strength and my weakness, it came through counseling. Mm-hmm. So, so it's been such a benefit to me as a pastor that I'm now able to say, okay, Lord, I want to be a good steward of what you've given me. I want to sharpen the edge and I want to hand that off to other people. And I want to equip other saints to do the work that happens mm-hmm. Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Cause Sunday morning is not equipping. It is, you know, big Jesus, you're reminded of the gospel. Jesus saves those. And those of you that feel like, you know, you've been like the step family in the kingdom of God. That isn't true at all. That we just have different roles in this place. So no mm-hmm. matter where you are in your brokenness, biblical counseling has an application to your life. And sometimes it's specific, sometimes it's formal, sometimes it's informal. But in all areas, it's not the separate ministry. It is the vehicle that drives the church in all all different areas. Well, it's the, That's good. It's the sustaining reality of the gospel. Amen. Yeah. yeah. The gospel doesn't just save you. It keeps you and will continue to keep you. And we've got to continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. So it's good, man. Well, that was awesome. So this is actually a a longer podcast than normal, but this was a lot of good stuff. So Andy, thank you for taking time to come and joining us today on Speak the Truth. And again, if we didn't fully address something or you want to know a little bit more, feel free to, again, email us at topics at speakthetruth.org. If you're interested in in, um, building a biblical counseling ministry in your church, uh, getting some of your leaders or yourself certified, uh, email me directly at shauna at christiancounseling.com. Until then, go speak. Speak the truth.